Welcome to Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for August is sponsored by Audiobooks app. Listen to thousands of classic audiobooks free on your iPhone or iPad. Get it at audiobooks.com or search for audiobooks in the App Store. Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this week I'm joined by Michael Schechter, who is an operations and marketing manager for Honora Pearls. Yeah, get that right? It's much like my last name, our company is not pronounceable. It's good times. Uh, Honora. Honora. Honora, and also blogging at A Better Mess, where you discuss all kinds of craziness, nerdiness, attention deficit things. It's fun. Pretty much, yeah. Once again, uh, I guess this is going to be like your string of ADHD episodes. That could just be, I may rename the podcast. Hyper. Also, you're my third mic, too. Mics, mics, and social disorders. That's not, or it's not a social disorder. I'm sorry. Um, it kind of is. I guess it. It in I, the end, ultimately, I, the the byproduct is I, social disorder. Yeah, we are totally talking over each other. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's my fault. Actually, I think on that one, I blame myself. That's good. We, you know, as long as we've got the blame out, I think now we we know what we're doing and we can correct our behavior, which is pretty much the basis of my entire life, which is identifying the things I'm screwing up and trying to fix them. You do that a lot, don't you? Oh, I mean, my. you spend a lot of time analyzing that. Well, I mean, in addition to the ADHD, I'm Jewish. So, I mean, like, just throw neurotic in there, and it just gets interesting fast. We've I think we probably put the disclaimer, if we're going to, like, go there on the ADHD, that neither of us are doctors. We're just screw-ups who have it. Oh, yeah. Did you hear the episode with uh, Mike Rose? I did. Honestly, the the episode with Mike threw me into a tailspin. It was good times. Oh, I remember. Yeah. That that one of your best posts, in my opinion, was a result of that, wasn't it? Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, he – I really – like when I was listening to that episode and he was talking about the stuff with empathy, it really hit a nerve on me. And then uh, you know, kind of talked to him, reached out to him afterwards to just tell him how much I appreciate it and the, uh, the no good SOB – Pointed me in the direction of uh, David Finch's Journal of Best Practices. Uh, it's kind of this guy with uh, Asperger's syndrome and his uh, attempts to make his marriage better, which threw me into an even bigger tailspin. It's been a fun month of you know just revelation, and I blame your podcast for it. Well, I'm happy to be making people think, I guess. Oh yeah, no, I mean you got me back in therapy, which is good times. <laughs> I I have no idea how to respond to that. Oh, I'm no. sorry. I guess I'm sorry. It's actually a good thing. I mean, you know, look, I, you know, I've been dealing with ADHD my entire life. It's, uh, God, let's, let's say, 32 years of, you know, definitely being cross-wired. And, you know, went through my, you know, uh, treatments back when I was about 15, 16. And I haven't really been to a professional for it in a long time. And, and that just kind of got me thinking and, and got me back to, all right, uh, like, you know, I can handle the workflow stuff, which, I, you know, I can handle the the focus stuff. I'm starting to get better at that. But, you know, that conversation with Mike really made me realize just how my cross-wiring was probably impacting my relationships. So, you know. Define guess, this. You, you keep saying cross-wiring. Define that for me. I mean, I, I the term, I guess, in Asperger's that I've kind of stolen now is, uh, you know, neurotypical, uh, which is, you know, everybody else. And then there's us. <laughs> um, and I guess I'm counting you as us. I apologize if that doesn't go over well. but It's okay. One I, of I us. I think the things that a lot of people take for granted, just, uh, I mean, base, from basic social skills, you know, knowing when to talk, when not to talk, volume to speak at, 
you know, ability to actually focus in a one-to-one conversation where that's sort of second nature. People's brains make white noise. You just, I've been having conversations since I was a kid. I know how to have them. I, I don't know about you, but that's certainly not the case for me. Like every thing is kind of, it takes effort. It takes a certain amount of my bandwidth just to actually function. And how long did it take you to realize that that kind of, uh, that way of thinking, the way that way of seeing the world was not normal. Oh, I mean, I, I kind of knew right away. Like there, there was never a question in my childhood that I was not like the other kids. You know, it's it is when you have those when those subtle things are off about you. Like when you don't know when not to talk, when you don't know the volume at which to talk, you just it's going to get picked up very quickly, especially in the playground. Yeah. Yeah, Well, it it took me way too long to realize that the reason that I got picked on, the reason that things just didn't go well as a kid was because I was different. I wasn't really capable of being like everyone else. I shouldn't say everyone else. I wasn't capable of being like the cool kids. Yeah, I, I, and forget the cool kids, even the not cool kids. You know? Well, <laughs> I would... see, I made I I I made friends really quickly with the nerds. Really, I mean, if if we look back at who I hung out with in grade school, they were nerds, and they grew up to be nerds, and they are uh, professional computer programmers and and famous harpists, and like these people went somewhere, and I'm proud to have known them, but we were kind of the outcasts of the playground. Yeah, whereas I, I didn't find that, you know, I mean, it's funny, I, I found, you know, kind of technology and my fascination with that a little bit later on in life, probably not until, you know, you know, I'd say the middle of high school that I realized oh, this is kind of interesting to me. And I, I don't think it's even been until the last couple of years that I really realized how important this is to me, which is probably too important. But still, I tried as a kid to be an artist. I really wanted I really wanted to be creative. And it took me way 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 too long to figure out that my creativity lied in problem solving, programmatic problem solving. And uh that that was I didn't get I didn't start building computers till I was okay, no. I started building computers when I was like 13, but Yeah, I, was I didn't realize it was a hobby. It wasn't my outlet yet. When did that click? Like, when did that tip over for you? I think, uh, uh, kind of on and off, I started to sense it in high school. But I was, you know, playing in bands, I was taking art classes, I still felt like I was an artist, or wanted to be an artist, and then I went to art school, and by the time I was done with art school, it had pretty well clicked. Yeah, you see, for me, it's uh, creativity. Is, I have a very weird relationship with creativity. I mean, it, it's you know, it's in kind of the the theme of my blog. It's trying to be more creative and more productive by using technology. But a big part of that is I've never particularly felt either creative or productive. I mean, the productive part it's pretty much the obvious ADHD focused stuff. I'm like just a chronic procrastinator, you know, start and abandon projects left and right. I mean, you know, it's, you, you go down the checklist of ADHD. Like uh, I, I jokingly told you while well, I wasn't joking, I, I kind of went back to see a professional after 15 years of talking to someone about ADHD and, you know, they take out their checklist. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever done this where they like, you go in and they ask you the questionnaire? 
I actually, I think when I was first diagnosed, I went in there and they asked me what was wrong. And I think I just gave them the checklist. Like uh, yeah. there wasn't an interview. He's like, yep. Okay. I know what's wrong here. He's like, let me get the checklist down, you know, and it's one through five and he keeps asking and it's like, okay, uh, yeah, that's a six. That's a six. That's a six. Uh, look, I have it. Let's just move on with our day. But, um, wow, this is going to be pure ADHD. I don't even know how we got here. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that's typical, right? You know, that's going to happen a couple of times this episode, but, um, going back to, let, let, let's at least just try to pretend like we segued back seamlessly into the whole creativity and productivity thing. I never perceived myself as, as creative at all, you know, productive. I knew why I had those issues, but I just thought like, Oh, there's not a creative bone in my body because I could never really use my hands. I have terrible manual dexterity, that handwriting you can barely read. And I never really did the work again, going to the productivity and procrastination stuff to actually get over that and really be able to use my hands and learn how to draw and learn how to write. Like I can barely read my own handwriting still, which is why I'm so tech dependent. It's not even funny, but the creativity thing, once I couldn't draw and once I couldn't really make music with my hands, I'm like, I I guess I'm just not, you know, like I don't have that in me. It's not in my DNA. And it wasn't until much, much later. And I, I think even way later than you that I realized some of that, logic problem solving stuff oh that's actually creative exactly it takes a while because when you're in school art is segmented off into uh dance and music and uh and drawing and photography and you pretty much you only have four or five certain forms of creativity that they will call art or creativity at all then you have creative writing, which I never felt was all that creative. Um, but Wait, cre- not creative for you, like the act of writing isn't creative. I felt or- like the classes, the structure wasn't really geared towards creativity. It was, I I had fun. I I really always enjoyed writing. I grew up with an English teacher for a mother, or a mother who was an English teacher, and um, happy you said that first thing. <laughs> And and I wrote a lot, but when I got into creative writing classes, I just felt like it became more of a chore than a creative outlet. I suppose any time you make something into homework, though, it's it's the same for me with with uh, with day job. Like, it's, I'll I'll spend weeks working twenty four seven on a project, but as soon as someone says, "Hey, I want to pay you for this," I I have to work really hard. I have to struggle to start on it in the morning and keep at it. Uh, I had that same crippling. I don't, I, it was funny. I, you were talking about it in your episode with Merlin. It's that it's not the first step. It's that half step before it, I think was what he was saying. And uh, God, it, th- that's where I, I live. It's, it's just, once I get going, I can lock in, but getting going is just impossible. And usually the only thing that does it is waiting until the last moment, which is never an ideal way to go about things. No, I I think, I don't know if that's purely something you can attribute to ADHD. I think that it's a rare person who's really good at saying, okay, let's just start. I think a lot of people hit that wall that may not, you know, have other symptoms. Um, but just when you're sitting there and you're staring at a blank sheet of paper and you know that if you just write the first two words, you're going to be done in half an hour. But 
I've met a ton of people who just stare at the blank sheet of paper just like I do. Yeah, no, I mean, like, the only way I've been able to, you know, quote-unquote trick myself is by just trying to treat them as deliverables. I mean, this gets into, like, just how my weird brain likes to get things done, but it's... No, tell me more. I mean, this is, this is you know, where, okay, uh, the ADHD kid starts talking about GTD and OmniFocus. Wee! But um, it wasn't until I started capturing that work and giving that work start and occasionally finish dates that it just started clicking a little bit better in that, that same structure that my homework is due. I, I have to use in my work, especially, I mean, I guess like when you're saying the stuff that people pay you for, you're talking about anything that feels like an obligation. Right. And that's the minute the word obligation comes into it. Yeah. I get that internal lockup, but I found that, you know, just getting it out of me, out of my head, out of my chest where I can just feel it and onto a piece of paper that is just staring me at the face. For some reason, it's easier. I don't know if the, I'm making any sense right now. But, you know, it's it's somehow getting my work out of my head and putting it in a place where I can look at it and go, okay, I need to start this then. So what's the thought process right at that point when when your brain instantly, instantly turns around and thinks of a hundred other things that you could do what keeps you, what makes you start on that thing that just came up in OmniFocus? I mean, honestly, it's more about being really selective about what I end up putting into all those things. I mean, what I put into OmniFocus, I'm very selective about. I, I try not to do that someday maybe stuff. I mean, I, I, I get it. I know why people like the idea of, you know, one day I'd like to be retired on a beach, but <laughs> it's just such a distraction to me. It's not even funny. No, I, my, my OmniFocus is things that I actually have to do. And someday, maybe if I don't remember it someday, it probably wasn't worth uh, writing down to begin with. And don't get me wrong. Like I am great at forgetting about things, which is also probably the advantage there. I mean, you know, these things come into my head. I, I, I would bet you're like this where it's you get that idea and that idea is all consuming and you are passionate about it. You go by the domain, which I have too many of. And by, you know, 48 hours later, that that rush is gone. Yep. I I actually am on two days without sleep right now. I should say minimal sleep right now because of similar circumstances. Yeah. You know, a part of it has just been not ever letting that stuff get into the system in the first place. And if I can't feel it 48 hours later, I can't be bothered with it. I mean, you know, that's more my own stuff when it comes to my work stuff. Yeah, I've just got to capture it, get it down. And I've had to train myself over time to think in terms of deliverables. You know, like it's just I have this due on this day. I have to do it. And it usually ends up running up right to the wire, which isn't ideal. But if you know you're going to procrastinate at a certain point, you almost have to use it. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it becomes a tool. Yeah, I mean, you know. Ca- not, a, ca- not a great tool, but it it's works. Not- you know, sometimes you, you you have two options. You can always be fighting your deficiency or you can just sort of lean into it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think we talked about that with Merlin too, leveraging your, your uh, I, I don't know the right word for this. I always want to say defects, but they're not defects. They're shortcomings. Leveraging your shortcomings. But I, I, but I think there's two parts of that. I think there's the Leveraging the strengths that come with your defect. I mean, let's face it, you know, that ability to lock into stuff that a lot of people that I've spoken to with ADHD or ADD have, that's a skill. And if you can, you know, it's probably, you know, an unhealthy skill, but, you know, if you can really harness that. Do you know people who have harnessed it? In short bursts. I mean, you know, 
Long term, it's always going to be a struggle, but that's the reality. You know, you just have to be aware of the pattern, try to figure out ways to identify it when it's happening and, and try to break it. I mean, yeah. to a certain extent, I don't think there's ever going to be a time in my life that I'm not to a certain extent dealing with this. If science could actually harness the ADHD obsessive personality, we would find cures for everything. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean and what, what's that book? Is it the Edison Child or the Edison Gene? Where you know, I, I forget the guy's name, but uh, I mean, if you do look at a lot of highly creative, highly prolific people, they are thought to or well known to be ADHD because we tend to be a little obsessive about things. We tend to really lock in. I mean, I'm generalizing like hell, and I'm sure there are people who don't fall into this at all, but you really dig into it. There's a lot of people who fall into that pattern where it's probably just a form of self-medication because I think a lot of ADHD people are self-medicators. I know I was growing up. I mean, everything from caffeine to just technology and things in between that don't need to be mentioned on a podcast. You know, I, I tend to have a somewhat addictive personality. And I think in the same way that things like caffeine, our interests can also be that. And they can really lock you in, you know, when you get to something that, you know, gives you that little squirt of dopamine, you get happy and you keep doing that and you keep doing that and you keep doing that. And if you can find ways to use it, that can actually kind of make you productive. And, you know, you, you kind of alluded to it earlier. I mean, tomorrow's actually going to be my first day in 17 years ever on ADHD medication. So yeah, I'm super nervous about that. Um, and when I went to the guy, he's like, oh yeah, you were, you, you were prescribed the wrong thing. Ritalin was not for you, but it was, you know, it's almost like you have a headache, take a take an aspirin. It's, oh, you have ADHD, take Ritalin. Right. You know, it, it is. It, it's brutal. Like, I, I have this, this hatred of this pill I haven't even taken yet because I have this 15-year-old mental model of what actually dealing with this by taking a pill is. It's, yeah, no, I understand that. I, you, you demonize things. I look at, like, uh, what's the guy from The Oatmeal? Quaker? What? No, The Oatmeal, the, the, the cartoon. Oh, the I just call him Oatmeal. Does he have a name? I don't know. I, I guess. We'll, we'll call him the Oatmeal. But, um, you know, like you, you look at that thing he did about Tesla and like you see like here's a guy who just gave in to the instability and came up with brilliance. And I mean, as someone who from basically birth has struggled with instability, I seek it in my life. I seek, I seek stability. That's why I love technology. It, it, it's a lot more dependable than my own brain. It's why I like having, you know, a little capture system for text in, you know, Notesy. If something comes to me, I put it down there before it falls out of my brain. If it's a task, it goes into OmniFocus. I have places for things because if they don't go in their place, they fall out. And I spent so much time focusing on that, you know, just getting to stable. But there's that this other thought that always gets in my brain and always just captures my interest. And that's what if that was the wrong thing to do? What if I'm in, I have this instability and I, I sought out stability. What if I just really needed to become more comfortable with being in, you know, what I am. And I think you look at someone like Tesla, you look at what you're talking about. That's what he did. I mean, that guy just leaned was, and he saw where it took him. I mean, I've got to imagine, I see some of the stuff you put out, like I'm, not calling you crazy here, but I mean, I've got to imagine you, you can really lock into something. I mean, you get across the finish line a lot. Very unhealthy ways. Yes. 
hundred percent, but I'm betting Tesla's was pretty unhealthy. Yeah. Well, and that's, I feel this weird kinship. I'm not nearly as smart as that guy, but I know that with this personality type, if you just let it go, and I'm not suggesting that that's the answer, uh, but if you just let it go, you can create and you can do things that you don't, that get you recognition from people who can't figure out how a human could finish all this stuff. And it's, it's not a normal human trait, but I feel like if, if someone ever understood how to trigger that when it was needed and how to control it and focus it where you wanted to, like the human mind is capable of amazing things that I think that ADHD, ADHD people get a taste of. They start to see that at points in their lives. But I do think it's also based on the addiction. I mean, if if an addiction's good or bad, it's still an addiction. You know, I mean, like, let, let me ask you this. To a certain extent, is coding an addiction for you? A- absolutely. Yeah, I mean... The problem solving, it's, it's highly addictive. But and- I, the difference between someone like you and someone like me is... You did one thing I, I didn't do, and, and part of it was, I, I don't know if it was, you know, being lazy or just lack of confidence or what. You cultivated skills where I cultivated interests, and it's a subtle difference, but I think it's a really, really important one, where it's like you can actually make stuff. <laughs> you know, I run up against the barrier of what I can do. You're able to push past that. And I, I mean, a lot of that's because of skills you've crafted over the years. You know, you've put in those hours learning it where I spent a lot See, of that time zombied into the TV. Here's where I have to make a confession. See, the computer for me is my TV. It's what I zombie into. I can't I can't watch much TV. I barely make it through movies these days because I can't I can't be that passive. Like I always have to be controlling the situation. Like I need to be uh, surfing the web on Twitter, programming, doing all that at once. It's the only way I feel comfortable. And I have never been able to sit down and read an entire book or learn all of the patterns I should know, or there are so many things that I just have not been able to focus and teach myself. I learn what I need to know when I need to accomplish a certain goal. And I don't know if that's great or, I mean, ultimately I get the job done, but I could be so much better at just about everything in my life. I feel that a lot. No, I do too. It's a big part of what I'm trying. I'm trying to find this balance right now in my life. And it's, it's why I write what I write. It's why I'm willing to talk about it so openly. I'm trying to get to this place where I'm trying to keep the worst parts of it at bay, but I'm also trying to unlock the best parts of it. And that's, it's so difficult (laughs) because so many of the things that keep you at bay are what kill that energy and ability that comes from it. I have two names for you. Do tell. Um, Sharon. Have, uh, Matthew Inman is uh, the oatmeal. And Tom Hartman. Tom Hartman. Is it Tom? T-H-O-M? I think it's Tom Hartman. Tom Hartman. Edison Gene. I'll link <laughs> both in the show notes for you. Yeah, no, I definitely would not have gotten to those names anytime soon. But I have to stop because I'm like, 10 minutes late for our first sponsor break and we have three today so let me tell you about shopify shopify is a hosted e-commerce solution that allows you to set up and run your own online store in minutes 
Pick a template, add your products, pick your payment processor from PayPal to Stripe to Authorize.net, and ship your stuff with just a few clicks. With Shopify, it's easy to sell online, and there's no software to download, host, upgrade, or maintain. Pick from over 100 professionally designed e-commerce templates or create your own with full control over the HTML and CSS. There are no bandwidth limits and no need to worry about scaling when your store becomes popular. And every Shopify store is level 1, PCI, DSS compliant, and totally secure. All you need is something to sell. Visit shopify.com slash 5x5 and you'll get three months free. Check them out today. So, you... you uh what was it? Marketing? You operations and marketing. Like, wh- how does your day job? I I know you're good at blogging. I know you're good at self analysis. And how how does how does your day job work with with all of this? Well, I, I mean, honestly, you know, a lot of it started with me wanting to get better at my job. You know, like uh, this obviously is stuff that wrecks havoc on my career. Um, and. I've always been good at looking at our business and sort of figuring out ways to make it better. It's it's the same thing that you know you were talking about earlier. It's problem solving. We have I mean back when I first started it's a small annoying example but we would get the orders in via fax. <laughs> Not working that long. It was way too long for us to get fax. Somebody would then take them, type them into the computer. Then they would go compare the thing that was typed into the computer to the facts <laughs> go into processing and it's you know stuff like that where you can just start looking at the problem going okay what's the solution oh they're going to actually enter the order into a computer system and send that in and little things like that and just started getting into our structure and how we basically went about the back end of every aspect of our business and i did this with out of technical background, I mean, I, you know, I'm not a coder. I don't know a line of code. Like I freak out at Apple Script, you know. But we had a good guy who knew the coding side, but maybe wasn't so good at the problem solving side. Yeah. And I, sorry, hmm? I'll ask you in a sec. But it's an interesting divide. It, it is like he 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 had the the skills. He he knew how to code, and he I just. I think he I think his knowledge of the code actually would limit his solutions whereas sometimes my unwillingness to be limited by code or actually what I like to call taking the time to learn how to do it I would always be like let's just figure out a way to make it work like this. Right. It's 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 a matter of not being told you can't fly, not being harnessed by reality. I I mean, I I may code more than you, but I I I'm the same way like I know a lot of people who are 20 30 times better programmers than I do if you can quantify that and they don't have any ideas about what they want to do with all those skills that's not to say I don't know some great programmers with some great ideas but I've seen this personality type that has all the technical skills like and they write beautiful code brilliant but they have no idea what they want to do with it yeah and and we really were in one of those situations you know it just wasn't optimized for anything and when nothing's optimized, you have a lot of low-hanging fruit. Uh, so just started down that road and, and, and got very into it. And then as, you know, technology, I've always been better at technology than I've been with people. You know, it, it's more consistent. So that appealed to me. You know, honestly, I, I probably learned to socialize more on bulletin board systems than I ever did in actual conversations with real people. So me and the computer were, were, were pals. 
Um, and I just always gravitated towards the sides of our business that did that. So operations that it was, you know, a long, long part of my career and I'm still very involved with that. But then once the technical side, the website, the, you know, our email list, our, you know, social media started exploding, I just started gravitating towards all those things. And I wanted to figure out what they mean to our business. I mean, we're a 64 year old company. It's, you know, it's slow to turn around the Titanic sometimes. And this is a family company, right? My grandfather started it. My father runs it. And, and you know, do you think that makes a difference in your ability to really uh, become attached to the job to separate it? Not I mean, separate it, but I could probably do another hour with you on the benefits of a family business and <laughs> hour on the oh, probably another 10 hours on the challenge. <laughs> I believe that. I have the benefit of I really care about the future of the company and I also have the autonomy to mess some things up and try some things. Do you, you like know, that? Is that good? I do. It's scary because, you know, you, you just as often when you try something as you succeed, you fail, uh, which, you know, can be very difficult. And I definitely dug myself into some holes on that one. But in the same breath, I, I also feel like we've made, you know, system changes that just made a monstrous difference to the way we run our business today. You know, it's like we, we, we run it now with these little groupings of products that all gear back to that initial, we can't get the orders faxed in and then type them into a computer. Let's start getting those orders directly into the computer. And then let's start packaging those orders. And then let's make those packages smaller. And then let's, you know, make it a little bit more adaptable. And all of a sudden you start taking those pieces and I mean, I'm sure you know this from code. You, you, you start with something broad and it just gets, you know, more specific and more specific and more specific until you kind of have a vision, which, you know, you're lucky to have happen sometimes. Absolutely. But you're also, you know, along the way, just able to make some holes that make people's jobs a lot harder for a couple of weeks. Well, can you imagine having a job where people's lives depended on you, where when you make those mistakes... I work in jewelry. No one has ever died from lack of jewelry in the... Right. Well, and I work in, in websites and blogs. And I, I work on some high-traffic blogs where if I make a mistake, there could be 30 seconds to five minutes of downtime, and I will hear about it. Um, I'll hear a lot about it. But it's it, as, a, as a former boss of mine said, it's only a website. You know, we'd all be stressed out. We'd all be running around, pulling our hair out, yelling at ops. And in the end, really, you just got to sit back and say, it's only a website. This this will be solved. Nobody's going to die from this. But on the flip side of it, too, uh, and yeah, I, I think actually, I think it was Stephen Hackett who was talking about this a little while, a uh, pretty short while ago. He was talking about just passion about these things where you don't really feel like you should care as much about them as you do. It's like I also do love it though that you know we sell this product that people love. You know, people love your website. They they get upset for that five minutes because they love that website. Sure. Yeah. And no, and it's great. It's all great. It's just you're allowed to make mistakes. You're allowed to make mistakes because no one's ever going to die. But you also get to make people pretty happy. Right, and that's the plus side. I've noticed lately that I I've been analyzing just for fun. I've been doing word analysis on my Twitter stream to see what the most common words are in certain uh, certain areas. And in tweets to me over the last year, by a, by a 50, like, uh, I can't remember the numbers now, but basically there were 
three hundred thank yous, uh, words that equated to gratitude, to the next highest, most common word, which was doesn't, which I left in my skip words because it's you know it has negative connotations and I wanted to see it, but but the gratitude that that I get for my work, for my hard work, is what makes it worthwhile and. I'm extremely gracious, grateful. I'm extremely grateful that that everyone else is so gracious about what I do. If I just got nothing but bug reports all day, they I I would I don't know. I don't know what I would do. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to do anything else. Or stop doing it. I mean, but you're also like I mean, God, I I've imposed on you so many times. It's not even funny. I mean, the extent to which you. And anyone listening, really feel free to just totally take advantage of this with Brett. Like, you're you're too nice. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, and I'm I'm trying to learn. I was talking to Merlin about. It. I'm trying to learn how to say no, and I have it, this week alone three times. I have just sent short five word emails that said no. But do you think it's also like I I, I I'm I'm thinking I'm guessing you probably have the same thing as me. Is that occasionally it's also hard to charge for the stuff you love. No, I've gotten really good at charging, just not charging enough all the time. I'm quick to cut deals because what happens, the the requests that I take, the requests that I kind of donate my time on are ones that pique my curiosity. Someone says, hey, do you know any way to do this? And I think about it for a second and I start to think of ways you could do it. And then the 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 obsession kind of starts and I want to solve the problem and I'm only going to charge you half my normal rate because this is something I really want to do. I'm doing one of those right now. Don't tell anyone. Let's talk about Squarespace. Squarespace.com, everything you need to make an amazing website. Squarespace is a fully hosted, completely managed environment for creating and maintaining a beautiful website, blog, or portfolio. This means that no matter how experienced you are with building websites, you can build something amazing in minutes without having to worry about hosting, scaling, or integration with social services such as Twitter and Facebook. And the great news is the new Squarespace has arrived. The templates with the new Squarespace are out of this world. They're beautiful, they're clean, and they let your content do all the talking. Check out new.squarespace.com templates. Everything in this platform is drag and drop, which makes it even easier and more fun to use. Drag and drop works like an iOS, complex layouts, etc. Even the structure is great. Perfectly clean code, amazing for SEO, image versioning, and, uh, and everything is integrated. Design, domains, hosting, and support. Layout Engine is Squarespace's page builder. It allows you to create custom layouts for each of your pages in seconds. You add blocks of content such as photos, videos, text, social media content, and tons more. You don't have to worry about what your site will look like on a mobile device. When you add images or design pages with the new Squarespace, your entire site will restructure automatically to fit on every device and maintain the beauty of the site's design. If you like stats, you'll love the real-time analytics that are built into Squarespace. There are even iOS and Android apps that let you manage and post on the go. You can even import your content from your current blog and easily set up sharing and syncing with your social media accounts. As always, Squarespace delivers award-winning 24-7 customer support that responds in minutes. They also have live online workshops to walk you step-by-step through everything you need to know to build an amazing site. When you sign up for a year of Squarespace, you get a free custom domain name. If you want to pay month-to-month, you can easily link your custom domain with just a few clicks. 
There's no credit card required to try it out. Simply go to squarespace.com and start your trial. Squarespace is $10 a month for the standard plan and $20 a month for the unlimited plan. If you sign up for a year, you'll automatically get 20% off, and if you sign up for two years, you'll get 25% off. Make sure to use the offer code SPECIALUNICORN when you purchase for an additional 10% off. Check them out at squarespace.com. What if I just told you about our last sponsor right now and then gushed about them for a little while? Oh, that's always fun. You can gush. Because we actually, at the end of the episodes, I don't know if you listen, but I usually do like your favorite links of the week, whether they're websites or uh, Mac apps or iOS apps. So if you come up with any of those, I totally always, every time, forget to tell people to prepare those. Um, I, I could at least do two off the top of my head. So Okay, and I will, uh, I, I'll fake it, because obviously, if I was remembering to do this myself, I would remember to tell you. I've listened to it enough that I knew it was kind of coming. I just, I had three, I forgot. You would that. think I would know by now. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, oh, oh, um, our last sponsor of the day is Textastic for iPhone. And it's been out on iPad for a while, and it's... To me, like the guy who makes it is uh, kind of a mad scientist of of iPad text editing. Like he's taken it to a, a place that it I don't know. It's it's like um, have you seen uh, folding text? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm getting pretty into it. It's insane. Like just the I don't know when it started. It was basically a, a nifty markdown trick, like live formatting and everything. But it's gotten to a point where I'm starting to worry about Jesse because this is just displaying signs of, of like brilliant insanity at this point. But I see a little bit of that in Textastic too. Like he keeps adding things, but he does a really good job of controlling the feature set. Yeah, I, I'm always admired when it seems like crazy difficult features done in, in an incredibly elegant way and that seems to be the case right and i'm i'm really bad at that but i have the utmost appreciation for people who who add those nerdy extra really brilliant features but in a way that doesn't seem all that nerdy right or even it sometimes isn't even visible to the average user no, I think it makes a huge difference because, like, the minute you, you you feel it, you just can't. But if it just does it, I mean, you get that feeling with an app sometimes. It just clicks. And, right. you know, for coding, I've got to imagine it's it's hard to find apps that do that. Yes. Things that just do what you expect them to do. And it's way more common on a Mac than on a Windows app, which using Windows apps frustrates me to no end because, and maybe it's just because I'm really used to Macs after a few years here. But nothing ever seems logical to me. I'm the only Mac user in an entire Windows-based office, so I know what you mean. Yeah, I've been there. I My IT department at the first job I had uh, out of college was uh, very gracious and let me get a Mac. But they said it was entirely up to me to support it. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's basically what it is for me. I actually just did an interview on this, and it's like... I am the IT Mac department. It's mm-hmm. like I have a problem. I have to figure it out on my own. I'm very lucky we're on a Citrix system. Did I? Did I? Did we totally let the uh, ad spot get away from us? Oh no, I'll get back to it. Oh okay. <laughs> um, but uh, 
you know, I just, I had to, I mean, the difference it makes in my productivity, I mean, especially just, I mean, applications like Outlook and Word, this isn't just snobbery. They just, it's too many bells and whistles and it sets my triggers off. Yeah. And getting away from that into a, a happier world for me is, you know, better. So I managed to con my way into being allowed to do it. I don't mean to offend any Windows listeners that are listening. Thank you, Windows <laughs> I uh I I don't understand. I I don't understand why anyone would consciously choose an operating system like that. It's what you were given. I mean it's, it's usually the answer. It's it's just what you know, it's what was there. Yeah, but I see I I've written for Tua and I I work on Engadget and I see these fanatics that hate everything Apple. And sometimes they hate everything Linux or, or if they're Linux users, they hate everything Windows. And they make very conscious arguments for an operating system that I just feel is ugly and inconsistent. And it's, I don't know, these are things that bother me. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, for, for me as someone who, you know, I, I am distracted by squirrels all day long, I have a lot less squirrels in my life on a Mac. You know, I, it has. It, it, that's as simple as I can say it. You know. See, I have a lot more squirrels, but I they're the squirrels I like. They're uh, I, I can tweak. I can tweak my command line and play with Geek Tool and make beautiful things, and that all is all very distracting for me. Like, it, there's nowhere I can go on my computer where I don't want to tweak something. But yeah, we're on, we're on, on Windows, the- I would be. Instead of tweaking things and making cool things, I would be just trying to fix things. Yeah, I'm like, I'm so stubborn in the opposite way. It's like once something feels comfortable for me, I don't want it to change. Like, I don't want to fix it. Like, I, I'm i probably the only person who's never tweaked, you know, the, the look of OmniFocus. Never once. Not I mean, I, I've, made, you know, I've made my screen layouts. I, I, I set up my uh, perspectives the way I wanted to. But I've never changed a font, a color, anything like that. Like, because the minute I start doing that, I will never, ever, 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 ever stop. I try to limit myself to theme changes uh, no more than once a month. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to control it like that. I, I would be changing it constantly. So I'm just like, if if I can't work with it the way that it is, and don't get me wrong, the OmniFocus default theme leaves a lot to be desired. I'm just not going to go there because it, it'll it'll become that thing that I do whenever I don't want to do what I'm supposed to be doing. I'll send you a screenshot of my Geek Tool desktop and my uh, terminal command prompt, and and you'll see my squirrels. I mean, I've seen some of this. Like, I, I use a little bit of your Geek Tool stuff. I mean, just to have you know my calendar for the day on on my screen. But if I had more than that going on, it would get bad fast. It does, but but <laughs> it's fun. No, no, rationalize for me. Go ahead. <laughs> it's fun and. And I can't, I can't be entirely mad at myself for being distracted by things that I truly enjoy. If they were self-destructive, that, that would be a problem. And if I didn't get my work done, that would be a problem. But being able to allow myself these, you know, squirrely distractions, that I love. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I have my fair share of squirrely distractions. I mean, RSS is probably what, what you know, playing around with Geek Tool is for you. Yeah. But. At the same time, like if I really just started getting into it has to be just so, 
I'd go off the rails. And honestly, I'm not even that good at noticing the difference. This this will pain you, I think. <laughs> I had to make a keyboard maestro or mastro. I never know which one it is. Maestro. Maestro. Keyboard maestro macro. You know how in NVL you hit uh, Command-Shift-E? Well, of course you know this, and it opens your external editor. Mm-hmm. I had to make Command-Shift-W that actually closes NVL because even like in ByWord that looks so startlingly different, my brain can just ignore the design. And somehow if I go for a link or something, I'll come back and start typing in the NVL again. Like I literally had to close it because my brain doesn't always perceive the differences. You know what I realized last week is that actually works just fine on Mountain Lion. If you start typing into NVL and then you realize it and you switch back to Byword, your text will just show up in Byword. That's good to know because I was constantly overwriting my own stuff. Yeah, Byword's ver- implementation of versions allows for external changes. I don't know why that works in some apps and some it doesn't, but Byword and NVL are brilliant together. I, I that's my little lovely marriage, but uh, yeah, I, I want to hear you say keyboard maestro macro. Three times fast. Keyboard maestro, maestro macro, keyboard maestro macro. Okay. Yes. Uh, totally going to cut that because that was not as much fun as I thought it would be. We're waiting for me to screw it up. Yes. I was expecting it. I was planning on it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I'll actually read the copy for Textastic now. Okay. Um, Textastic code editor for iPhone, the most popular iPad code editor, and it's now available right on your iPhone. Have you ever had someone send you a source code file by email? With Textastic, you can view the file right on your iPhone, fix a bug or two, and send it back. That's a great thing. You don't need a desktop. It's got fast syntax highlighter with integrated support for over 80 programming languages and markup languages, including HTML, CSS, JavaScript, PHP, Ruby, Markdown, Objective-C, Python, and much more. You can even add your own TextMate-compatible syntax definitions and themes. Say you get a call. There's a bug on our website. No problem. You can fix it right on your iPhone. They have clients for FTP, SFTP, Dropbox, and WebDev. The integrated WebDAV server transfers files from your Mac or PC over Wi-Fi. Don't have access to a server? Not a problem. With Textastic, you can review code right there on your iPhone. There's even an offline preview mode for HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and Markdown. Textastic has an interactive search and replace with regular expressions, a full support for external keyboards, and how cool is this? Code completion for HTML, CSS, JavaScript, PHP, Objective-C, and C. You can even create a whole website from scratch and publish it with just your iPhone. Textastic's got you covered with their settings for font and font size, tab width, soft tabs, word wrap, and all their great themes, even a password lock to protect your files and server connections. It's all there. Visit textastic.com and get Textastic for iPhone this week at an introductory price of just $4.99. That's 50% off and it's a steal. So, okay, welcome back, and let's do some app slash link picks. Uh, you want to go ahead, Michael? Sure. Uh, I mean, I was just talking about it a couple of seconds ago, but uh, you know, Keyboard Maestro's got to be my number one pick. I, I, I don't think anyone else has picked it on this show yet. Don't think so. I haven't had Gabe on yet. Yeah, exactly. Once Gabe comes on, I'm sure that'll be his too. But for someone like me who is geeky and willing to play around with things, but doesn't really know what he's doing, you can do a lot with it. You know, it's it's just 
whenever I kind of run into a wall and I wish something could do something it can't do, that's that's my default go-to. Whereas I would imagine you just, you know, look at your computer, speak some weird language to it, and it just does what you want. Um, I just, I don't have coding skills whatsoever, and you just, you don't need them to do a ton with that app. Well, and that's, it, when I look at the triggers, I haven't gotten heavily into using it, but when I look at the triggers available, it gives me so many ideas and so many projects that I want to start, and I just have to wait until, I don't know, it'll strike me some night. I'll just be like, I really should start writing keyboard, mm, I can't do it now, keyboard maestro macros. You just say the word differently every time now. I'm um, I, I, the MIDI triggers fascinate me. I have a, a 49 key keyboard right next to my uh, monitor. And if I could play like a little bit of Chopin and cause applications to launch, that would be oh so fan of the opera. It'd be really cool. You know, going all the way back to the beginning of our conversation, I think that's when you become Tesla. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. You're right. That would be insane. Um, okay. So I, I totally agree with that pick though. I'm, I'm really looking forward to finally getting it. I've owned it. I bought it a year ago, but I like, really don't need it. Like where you'll go make a service like that to me would be just, <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's, it's the same. It just provides a, uh, it provides a tool so that you don't have to code and there's never anything wrong with that. It, it makes it more unfriendly, which I, I require. All right. So what else you got? Oh, I, I go three in a row. I thought I thought like you go. Oh like, yeah. See, uh, like Marilyn wanted to do this round robin too, and I'm I'm. Uh, you you want me to go again? Go for it. Yeah. Uh, so this is probably one that most people on this show know, but and I don't care which way you go on this, but either Crash Plan or Backblaze. Um, I wrote about this not too long ago. We just had a, a home invasion. Somebody came in and uh, stole a bunch of my wife's jewelry and uh, all of our backup drives while I was away, which would not be all that terrible had it not been the one week that I actually brought home our offsite drives to back them up. Oh, man. Yeah, it, really, really just crappy luck. And, you know, I've got two young kids, so lost. I was able to recover a lot from devices and things like that, but I definitely lost a fair amount of photos. And like even losing the bad photos of your kids is painful. Uh, so, dear God, if you have the means, some sort of cloud backup, you know, crash plan or backblaze. I went with crash plan just because I have a tremendous amount of data, and there's they give you like a seeded drive where they'll send it to you, and you back it up instead of just kind of using the cloud because it could take like a month just to get your backup going. Yeah, and it does. It was in, in New York, it was worse. Oh, I believe that. I've, I've, I remember trying to get 3G in New York. That was horrible. Yeah, we don't have that here. Yeah. I remember you laughed at me because uh, we went out for was it dinner. And yeah. I said, I've got five bars and 3G. And yeah, I'm like, like yeah. no, you don't. Or use the internet. Enjoy New York. Welcome. <laughs> uh, and then last is, this is kind of... I wouldn't call it a recommendation as much as I think something really worth looking at. It, it, it's pretty cool. There's um, this new timer app called Pomodorable. And it does something I haven't seen any other app do. It doesn't, it's not ready for prime time. And I've got a post coming on this probably later in the week that explains why I think it's really cool and also has some issues. But 
just by flagging something or in OmniFocus or starring it in things, you it just drops into that app. So you can like set up your day and schedule all your stuff and then just, you know, do it in little batch time. Wait, how does it do that? I don't know. Uh, apparently it's it's using whatever API they have. Maybe their AppleScript API, which I think the only one that OmniFocus has. So this is this is on a Mac, right? It's on a Mac. It, yeah, I forgot to mention that. It's a Mac app. You basically you install this. You go in, let's say you look over all the tasks you have, you star the four things, and they just will flag in the case of OmniFocus. And it just shows up in this app. And as you complete it there, it completes it back in OmniFocus. Nice. That's pretty amazing. It's really cool. It's not You can't organize a task in, in an order yet. It still shows... It doesn't have like a, a good log for cleared items, so that still shows. It's very early. It's only a 1.0 release right now. I've seen your feature request tweets. Yeah, I've been annoying the hell out of the developer. But um, if you use things, OmniFocus or the Reminders app, they all integrate with this really well in a way that I think is tremendously interesting and that either this guy or somebody is going to do something really cool with. Uh, can I Side note? Yes. Why in the reminders app can you why do you have keyboard shortcuts to get to the organizer and to open a task in a open an entire uh section in a new window? Like you can do that with command enter, but you can't edit tasks, like you can't navigate the reminders. I am so not willing to use that application. I've never even touched it. I was um as part of a project I was working on, I needed to research that app and I found it found it frustrating that like half of the keyboard navigation was there, but then things that you thought should work just didn't. And then you get your system error beeps and everything. That was annoying. But anyway, I, I don't, I guess my question you would be at the end of the day is the kind of user that's probably using the reminders app really going to be using all those. Exactly. And, and Apple knows that. And I think it's a conscious decision. Oh yeah. Like we're, we're, we're not their core user anymore. Oh no, man. They, I'm, I'm not saying I feel forsaken, Started on sandboxing. Don't even get me started. No, me either. Um, I just up toy. <laughs> I just feel like um, I, I, I guess I feel fear that uh, that there are so many more average users than there are nerd users, and while our ranks are strong, we're not uh, we're not a billion dollar industry. No, they, they almost it's it's actually oddly like Twitter. They almost. <laughs> Take the users that got them there in order to get to that. I mean, to keep going the way they're going. I'm grimacing right now. We shouldn't talk about Twitter. I feel very forsaken by Twitter. Yeah, but you know what? I, I don't get this. And God, I'm probably starting up a longer conversation that I shouldn't be as we're trying to wrap up. But why is it all that different from Apple? And th- I'm saying this as a lover of both Twitter and Apple. You know, as not some of the decisions they're making, but as products and services the reason it feels different to me is because i was there at the beginning and i built applications and i saw things like hashtags be invented by the users i thought i saw things like at replies be invented by users and then adopted by twitter and i saw that it was it was us it was the early adopters it was the developers and it was twitter's open api that made them what they are it's the reason they survived and dozens of other microblogging sites are just butts of jokes now. And to have them turn around and literally just say, 
we're taking this all away from you now. Thanks for your help. See you later. Just, oh, it, it hurts a little. You're being horrible about it. I mean, the, even Paul from Tapbots, who, I mean, you know, wrote this great post saying, don't worry. And two days later, he's basically having to say we had to take our alpha down because Twitter's not willing to work with us. Yeah. You can just tell they so don't care. And I don't think it's the same to the same extent with Apple. But I do think you look at things like sandboxing and the way that that original user base is comfortable using the system. Yeah. They keep locking that down. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, so it's probably a bad example, but just, I mean, just look at something like Text Expander. You know, it was, in, it was an early app store app. You know, yeah. support it, help get geeks like us to go over to the app store. Right. Yeah, and, and that I do see a parallel there to what's going on with Twitter. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's as egregious. Don't get me wrong, but well, see, the thing is, and uh, this, I'm I'm not sure if I'll phrase this the way it it sounds in my head, but with Apple, it seems more insidious. With Twitter, it seems like bumbling ineptitude, like they're just making willy nilly decisions that are just ticking a lot of people off. With Apple, it's so much more. And I, and I tell you, I think it's both equally insidious, but one company knows how to go about it in a far softer way. Yes. Yes. I, I still think both of those things are heading in the same direction. A very controlled environment geared at not us. Right. And as someone who loves Apple and depends on these products, I'm nervous. Me too. And and as someone who's a, a early adopter of Anything I get my hands on, it sucks that every time I upgrade my operating system, now I'm going to lose a little bit more of my flexibility. Yeah, I mean, this probably affects me way less than it affects you because I'm still at that surface level of, of geekery. But Meh, it's just more problems I can solve. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> less solutions that can break. All right, so did you do three picks yet? I've lost track. Uh, I did. Okay. You're well, up. I'm going to go with straight uh, plain text nerd apps today. All right. I like this. All right. So my first pick, I can't remember if I've ever said this before, but if I have, it deserves it again, is Voodoo Pad. And it's Gus Mueller's app, and it is, it's a nerd fest. And he just published a post uh, announcing that the next version of Voodoo Pad is going to uh, include his entire static blogging setup. So that you can turn a Voodoo Pad notebook into a blog, and it handles all the export and everything. It looks amazing, and he just rewrote some of my old plugins for me. Gabe style blogs, Gabe and Mac for like he uses Pelican, right? I'm a moron, so explain this to me in moron terms. Well, ba- yeah, I mean, basically, it outputs HTML files. There's no PHP. There's no server. There's, I mean, there's a server. There's no uh, database. There's no dynamic parts of it. You're, it's it's old fashioned. Like web 1.0 static websites, but you have a dynamic system in which to manage them. And then you click a button and it creates something that can handle massive server traffic. You can get fireballed and you you won't get any notes from your server saying, I'm sorry, we had to shut your account down. Moments like this that I really wish I was geekier. <laughs> I'll fix your database. Don't worry. I believe in you. <laughs> Okay, so so Voodoo Pad, if I had to describe it quickly, it would be um, uh, a wiki, 
a desktop wiki that works uh, amazing nerd magic. And if you are so inclined, it has a ton of extensibility and it uses JS talk and you can use JavaScript snippets and all kinds of fun things. It's great for web export. It has PDF export and you can share your notebooks. You can sync your notebooks with other people. It is, it's a great tool and it supports Markdown now, which was the reason I got heavily back into it. Yeah, I was going to say, usually, uh, is that pretty much the bait they need to put on the hook for you? Is It's Markdown, I'll use it? At this point in my life, yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm rather obsessed. I find it, uh, I find the idea of, of creating plain text and being able to turn it into beautiful things, being able to hand it to someone as a Word document, but not have to deal with Word on my machine, I find all that. Uh, they're, they're problems that I really enjoy solving. And you do a nice job of solving. I'm actually, I, I think I mentioned this to you. I, I need to, I just went on a podcast about, um, you know, it's like riffing on writing it's called and started, I think it'll be out next week, but started talking about trying to use plain text and just butchered the conversation. Cause you, as simple as it is, it's incredibly, it sounds crazy when you explain plain text to someone who doesn't use it. Oh, I know. I, I sell a product that revolves around plain text and I've tried to explain it to many people, but, um, all right. Number two, you ready? Yes, I'm ready. I think I already said it. Uh, it's folding text and it's in alpha right now. And mm, yeah, I don't think, yeah, the, it, the releases are still expiring every six or seven days. And you have to go download the next one. Um, and Can you give me a favor? I, I have a request. Yes. Because, I mean, I understand the parts of folding text that are essentially what task paper was. Can you give me, like, the Brett Terpstra version of what it does that kind of goes above and beyond and why? Because like, I'm starting to get it, but I'm not really there yet. Okay. So you've got uh, a blank sheet in front of you. I mean, it's just a window with no buttons or anything. And you start typing in Markdown. And as you type Markdown, it formats the text. I don't know if you ever saw an app called Valletta did much the same thing, but you type your, your start a headline with a hash, a hash mark and then type your headline and it becomes bold and dark. Um, and then lists format, you know, it pulls the, the leading, uh, list item outside of the margin, the way IA writer does. And it, 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 it's a really elegant uh, way to edit Markdown links. Actually, when you finish typing the Markdown syntax for a link, it turns into a, a hyperlink. It like shrinks down and just shows you the link text with the underline. Your cursor focus is there. It reads like Markdown, but if it's right. gone, it's like, oh, that's cool. Um, but then, have you seen the Pomodoro worksheet? This is what I really wanted to understand. I, I saw this. I haven't really got my head around it yet, but it look it, it basically it sounds like you can set up tasks and do timing directly in the app. Right. It's got these things called modes and the modes will expand over time, but right now there's a timer mode and a task mode. And um so if you put dot to do after a headline, uh like you you end you say task list dot to do um and then you start an unordered list underneath it those every item will get a checkbox instead of a list uh, delimiter. That's cool. And then you can check those off. And here's the cool part is the Apple script API uh, allows for filtering via XPath. I know this is, this means nothing to the average person. Um, you mean me <laughs> uh, to anybody, I think, but, but this is what I love about it is he has put in uh, the ability for 
nerds to write scripts that anyone can use that can do things like go through and tag all your today tasks or untag finished tasks, archive tasks, just like in task paper, but with a far more uh, easy and easy to use an advanced system for handling all of these different modes that you create. It can also work the same, like every headline and every paragraph and every list item can all be accessed through these X paths. Um, and then the timer mode, which we also mentioned, lets you put dot timer instead of dot to do. And then you can write lists uh, with uh, times in them. And it creates, uh, do you remember flex timer? I think Daniel Jalcut had flex timer. Yeah, I do. I, I do. I know that app. Okay, so yeah, it's basically that where it says uh, like do this for twenty minutes, do this for five minutes, do this for twenty, um, or like you can put baking instructions in there as he uses as an example, etc. Um, but as an example, he created a Pomodoro worksheet that has like all of the tenets of the Pomodoro method uh, kind of spelled out, and and it runs itself. You click on the start button, and it runs the Pomodoro timer. And it has the the task list and everything and the goals and it's pretty cool. But yeah, that 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 kind of sounds amazing. <laughs> it it's it's insane is what it is, uh, but but it's insanely cool. I love it. And then I number will... three, go. I'm sorry, did I talk over you? I was going to say, what's the third one? What, what what's number three? While wow, we were on the same place at the same time, um, in tune. You're you're fading in and out. Am I? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe it's just you. Maybe you're literally fading in and out. It's very possible at this point. Okay. Well, number three is uh, IFTTT, which is if, then, then that. It's a website that lets you automate all kinds of craziness. Uh, I'm poking with it a little bit, but I have not done nearly enough with it. It seems like you can do some incredible things. Well, yes. Um uh, like it appends to Dropbox text files and it can read from uh, RSS feeds. It can read from Twitter. It can read from Facebook and it can pick up your updates just about anywhere and then append them to say a text file in Dropbox or create uh, update files in Dropbox. These are the things that I like. It can also like text you when the temperature drops below 20 degrees, which happens around here. Um, but it, it, it Infinitely flexible with, uh, I think it's got to be 20 some triggers available uh, for things like Twitter and, and uh, your WordPress blog. And then, and then every trigger also has targets. Most of them have targets and it's, it's, it's another tool you can fiddle with all day. But the cool thing about it is when I hook it up to something like my slogger project, anything that I, any picture I tweet on Twitter whether it's you know from my phone or or my desktop or whatever, it it just automatically ends up in my day one journal now thanks to if this then that. I don't have to do any of the in between stuff. Once you tweak ifttt, it just runs in the background and and things just you you almost begin to rely on it and you forget where these things are coming from. Yeah, that, that's like I haven't taken the dive on Slogger yet, just because I now I guess since I have you, I can ask. Like, now that you're doing that, are you starting to feel like there's almost too much information in day one? Yes. Yeah, and I, I kind of enjoy that. Um, I wish that day one had better filtering and search, which I believe will. I from your interview, it sounds like they're working on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
but yeah, it is every day I have like all the music I've played for that day. I have all of my tweets archived into a daily digest. I have any photos I've uploaded to Flickr and Facebook and Twitter. I'll get their own entries. Any of my blog posts get archived with excerpts. And yeah, it adds up to a huge journal that does get clumsy to read through. And I, I fully admit that it's a, it's a mad science project of mine. It's not something I think everyone needs to take a dive on or in. Um, you can take it on it, but... Yeah, oh no, don't get me wrong. It's it's cool as hell. I just I I, I haven't figured out. I, I like day one. I'm using it just to kind of, like I said, I have I have no memory. <laughs> like it, things just get lost for me. So I just try to capture a very specific subset of things in it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that did I do three? I did three. You did. I gotta sleep tonight. You really do. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for being here and putting up with my entire space cadetness today. Oh, my pleasure, and I, I, I hope I didn't completely take down Systematic. I don't, I, I don't think uh, there, there was a whole lot of ADHD in this episode. There, there was a joke there that I'm too slow. Something about taking down the system. I lost it. No, I don't think it was a joke. More just a matter. Of this is, you know, I, I think I probably got your listeners to run off and never ever come back. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop there. And uh, so, thanks again, and that will conclude episode seven of Systematic. Thank you very much for listening, especially if you made it all the way through to the end, and we will see you next week.